Do you want to achieve your max? Check out cardomax.com. Owned and operated by former Navy SEAL Sean Madsen. They've got a couple different products that you guys can check out. They've got the Energy Intensifier, which is filled with BCAAs, um, B12, B6, and 200 milligrams of caffeine in four different flavors, watermelon, grape, uh, pink raspberry, or blue raspberry rather, and pink lemonade. Uh, they also have hydration ones that has a whole bunch of stuff in it, but I, there's no way I'm going to be able to pronounce it because I couldn't even pronounce uh, some other stuff that I did in some prior promo codes. So um, the hydration stuff has raspberry and lemon lime, really good. And then if you need some help with your immune system, they also have immune, immune boosters um, that are in the orange and watermelon. They have a whole bunch of vitamin C and some other things in it to help you out. And they also have a recovery um solution that you can use that comes in a cherry lime and a grape and these have a whole bunch of bcaas and vitamins and vitamins in it as well so please go check them out um their stuff tastes really good i really enjoy it um you know i try and tailor back from the caffeine a little bit just because uh, i find myself just dumping a whole bunch of packets in there because they taste so good. So it's nice to kind of get a variety pack, if you will, because um, at least I can try the um, energy intensifier in the morning or kind of when I'm dying in the afternoon. And then late at night when I still want some flavor in my water, I throw in the immune booster or even the uh, recovery drinks. Um, and then who doesn't need hydration? So check them out. Uh, promo code one's ready at checkout. We'll get you a discount. They support us, so we support them. We don't get anything from it, but um, definitely go check them out because their stuff is on fire. And we are back and we're live. Welcome, everybody, to the team room. Team room. How long has it been since I hosted? I took like a two weeks off, so I'm way out of practice. This is going so bad. It's going to get ugly, folks. But I think the clap was good uh, that we had to use because of reasons. Speaking of reasons, uh, our good friend, Sergeant Parolio, his first name's Mike, when he's actually a real person, is here with us. And as far as I can tell, he runs every important aspect of the pipeline that you're going to be going through uh, once you get in. So uh, without further ado, Mike, welcome to the podcast. You want to tell everybody a little bit about yourself and your background? Yep. So I'm a uh, combat controller currently at Lackland Air Force Base. I'm the superintendent for what has been redubbed as B flight. So uh, assessment and selection and the pre-dive course. Uh, before that, I was at the 22nd STS for four years um, and just did the combat control JTAC thing from there and then looking for some uh, some downtime with the family only to find out it has been anything but here at Lackland. <laughs> is is B-Flight like another name change that we're going to have to uh, socialize out there with everybody or is that more wing internal business? Yeah, it's squadron internal business. It can't be concerned. It'll be basic training, SWICT, special warfare candidate course, assessment selection, pre-dive and then the pipeline as they radical because i've jumped the gun a few on a few other things and i've actually had to cut into my own podcast and apologize for being retarded so <laughs> uh, yeah. i don't i don't want to do that again so um i think my, my first question i want to lead out right now I, I know you have like a history but uh I, I think we're talking things aatc um so you go from the operational side to aatc and you were looking for a break what was what culturally is the biggest change for you coming over to be an instructor um, so coming in when I first got here, we were still when we were running like the combat control selection course or orientation course, whatever, whatever name you want to have for it. Um, and like, honestly, that was, that was pretty, it looked pretty sweet. I got to do it a little bit. It was like two weeks on 
maybe a month on because you had too many students coming out of prep and then you had about a, a month of prep time to kind of just do other training and go to school and do all that stuff. And then uh, we came here and we, everyone's like, yeah, we're doing this. You know, when I say ANS, it just means assessment selection, this ANS thing. And uh, yeah, it, it's been this uh, incredible culture change and, and beast that we've, uh, we've designed, but it was really just trying to put a course together that I guess all the communities were coming through now. And um, so, yeah, it's been, it's been a, a labor of love for sure. Cause it's been difficult to try and get everybody on the same page, different people coming in different match comms that you're trying to battle with. And then even within our own uh, wing, trying to figure out what the, what right looks like. And I, I think we're pretty close, um, but we're, we're going to still continue to try and kind of push it and get, keep getting it better. Right. And I think, People misunderstand that. They think like when we stand a school up or when we start a new program, like it's the military. So people have this like assumption that like, oh, okay, everything is lined out and this is going to work perfectly. And it's way more art than it is science. Like you guys have, after times it's weird. I remember from my time as an instructor down at Kirtland, just the way that you would organize the blocks, the students would behave differently and you get different outcomes. And sometimes those outcomes weren't what you were looking for. You were like, oh man, just by the way that we set the course up, the students aren't really progressing in the way that we want to see it. So um, I'm sure you guys have felt those challenges. What are what are some of the bigger things that you're getting after? Uh, you know, especially in regards to like attributes, um, attributes based assessment. What are some things you guys are looking at on the horizon for that stuff? So the last uh, last. Last year has been a lot of kind of looking at, hey, how the process is and trying to marry it up with best practices from from brand. That's kind of been the biggest um, person coming in trying to help us redesign it. Because when we first stood it up, a lot of the event we ran, it was like, hey, well, we did this underwater event and we're just going to shove, you know, you name the attribute and we're going to put problem solving into underwater. So a lot of it was us trying to take older events that we were that we have run historically for the last 20 plus years and shove an attribute on it that just probably doesn't fit into that that specific one so the biggest thing now is having events that are actually you know here's the attribute we want to assess and here is the event to do it versus here's an event we have what's one of our eight attributes okay that's what we're assessing here because it has it is very pt based heavy that i mean physical fitness is one of our attributes i still think that is like that is king for anybody who's listening here is like if you the more physically fit you can come like the better off you're going to be like period dot everything anywhere in any any pipeline or um dod school physical fitness is king but trying to figure out better ways to assess things like stress tolerance or problem solving um you know like close your ears a little bit there Aaron, but like uh you know stress tolerance isn't just assessed in the water pond and that's one of the biggest things we're trying to work through is finding events that are on the land where hey what is that land-based equivalent to where we can assess water the person who was the high school swimmer water polo player whatever lifeguard their ability to be comfortable in the water doesn't necessarily mean that they have a high stress tolerance but if that's kind of the the main area that we assess it we miss out on an opportunity to see how they perform you know on the land for example we had one student who uh or excuse me candidate he actually came from my hometown in california and uh was a stud in the pool. I was like, yeah, he's going to, he's going to crush it. Cause that's usually, that's still one of the biggest determining factors is how, where you're at the pool is kind of uh cause it's still water heavy. The next course is still, still pre-dive and dive school after that. So we got to have some level of uh, competency there. So we're not spending too much time on training. 
but ended up quitting on, on one of the other land events. So how do we, you know, how do we, how are we able to get after that a little bit more instead of just, yeah, it's stress tolerance is only seen in the water because it could be totally different. Right. And newsflash, everybody, the army has a completely ground-based assessment and they produce some of the most high-class special operators that the world has ever seen, right? Like while water is the great equalizer, you're not going to catch me on the PJ trap. Good, good look, PO. I, I like how you tried to bait me there. I'm not going to bite. Um, I think water is great, but I, I think you do need to see like, man, under a ruck and walking and trying to like navigate terrain features and th- those things on your feet for extended periods of time. Those are valuable. And that's where yeah. you can really chip away at somebody's personality. I can be under the water and I can be uncomfortable, but guess what? Max time, that's only going to happen for about three minutes. When we're talking about a 24-hour movement under some weight in the woods, that's different. And that's that's looking at different attributes. And man, I'm about that, that land-based life. So can you give us <laughs> can you give us another example of exactly what you were just talking about? Like we tried to shoehorn certain events into attributes can you give me the flip side can you say here's an attribute that we were looking at so we designed this event to look at it if you can't you know pull the curtain back i don't want you to to put yourself out give me an example of what you were talking about earlier yeah so i think like there's you know there's all the events if you look at any assessment selection they're they're the students sometimes call them puzzles or team week um but those events were specifically designed to put you into small teams and, and give you a bunch of equipment. You know, it looks like a pile of crap, but essentially we're, we're there's going to be a mission with that. We're going to tell you, Hey, here's what you need to do. Um, you need to figure out a way to put it all together and move it from point A to point B, or some of it may not even be a, a movement thing. We just look at to see how you're able to, you know, communicate or whatever it may be. And that's, that's the beauty. I think of assessments and selections, we can be doing something that's totally PT based. Um, but truthfully, you could be assessing an attribute that isn't isn't physical fitness. You may think it's physical fitness, or you may think that we're looking for you to communicate, but we might be looking at, at problem solving or teamwork or something else. Um, so it's just being able to, to plug and play that. It's But we have a, a specific phases in training where we kind of heavily weigh other attributes more than others. Um, some events where we're looking at things that is, is physical. Um, and that's not to say that like the way that we've done things for the last 20 years isn't wrong. Like I, I think the way that we have done things has been great and we've produced some phenomenal operators. And I think the Air Force special operations side of the house, you know, we've been able to do some pretty, pretty cool things and have access to a lot of different stuff that uh, I think other services haven't been able to. And we haven't had a, a formal assessment selection. Um, I think the best part about what we've stood up is that it, it really is designed to you know, those, those one or two people that you have on your team, you're like, this guy's a total asshole. Like, yeah, he's a stud. He's physical, physically fit, but you know, they're low trust. Like you can't trust them to do things. Um, that's, that's really what ANSs are, are designed to, to try and weed out. Hey, here's these people that have the core raw material that we can get them where they need to be. Um, and they fit in a team. Like they're willing to work well with their team. They're not assholes. Like I think that is that is the most important part of an ANS and what we've been able to see because we, you know, we'll do peer evals and and these they may not say it to each other's face, but you can definitely find out who the the outliers are who don't belong pretty quickly by peer evals. Oh, absolutely! And peer evals are one of my favorite things to do. But the I think it's important because as an outsider, you kind of look at 
our pipeline and any pipeline really, and just say, Hey, they're just, they're just there to beat people down and do nothing but PT, do a little bit of math in terms of dive physics or something like that. But it's not like you're just there to beat people. And that's not the case at all. I mean, you've already said that you guys bring in Rand to do studies. Uh, I know they did a study a couple of years ago and I think they're doing one right now. Um, and I mean, that's where we kind of got the attributes from, or at least able to, um, you know, articulate the attributes that we're looking for. And that's not to say that, you know, the old NDOC and uh, combat control selection course and all that kind of stuff didn't have science-based stuff in it. But I mean, you guys aren't just out there freaking beating people. You're, there is science behind what you guys are doing. Um, and I think that's important to highlight just because I believe people think that it's just, Hey man, it's just nothing but PT and you get through it. That's not yeah, really a question. That's, that's more of a comment, but go for it. <laughs> it's super, <laughs> where, it's yeah, super, there was a period yeah. at the end of that sentence, not a yeah. question mark. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's super frustrating. Cause I think, uh, from those going through it, those observing it, and then those from our community who come down and see it. And I mean, you came down and got to see it peaches and, and I think you have a different understanding of it, but, uh, like, and I've told that to everybody who comes in the room and I don't, I've gotten to the point where I, you know, the tact isn't there uh, all the time. And it's like, okay, it just gets frustrating because it's like, you can't come and watch one event or watch our one WaterCon event and think, you know, all there is to know about ANS. There's, you know, until you're showing up at, you know, zero dark 30, for lack of a better word, to see what's going on, the stuff that happens behind the scenes, um, the instructors professionalism that like my, my guys have when they run this and the pride they take in it. Um, you really have no idea what ANS is. Like it's, it's so much more than, just one water con session that most people come and see because water is the thing that's for whatever reason, that's the thing that gets people excited. So they want to come see it. And then you like, you watch the same water con session three, four times in a row. And you're like, this is pretty boring. And, uh, but you go, go and see some other events and, and ultimately like, yeah, there's some high intensity times and it's in there, but for the most part, it's, it's controlled chaos and that's the way it's supposed to be. And that's, I think that's the other part is, yes, it is physically demanding. And I think it should be uh, kind of really for two reasons. Right. So we want to have a, a reach back moment. Hey, this is the most awful part of, of my training pipeline. And if I can get through this, I can get through anything. You know, that's what we expect for all of our pipelines before. Um, we just try and do it all up front now, you know, and I, I do think that was like uh, of the inducted a ton of things, right? Like the guys they have there and you guys like, you know, the, the Mr. Capo Biancos, the, the Mr. Kilbrides, the guys who've been there forever and you guys know and love, um, like they're masterminds of this stuff and they, they do bring a ton of experience to the table. Um, but that's ultimately, hey, we're trying to give them that moment that they can reach back and say, holy crap, that was insane. I was sleepy, hungry, sore, broken down, but I was still able to execute. Um, we want them to have that. The other thing is, is yeah, it comes physically fit as you want. It, it really doesn't matter. Like, fitness is your defense mechanism. And when we can remove that, now we get to see who that real person is. So who are you when you don't have your tempur mattress, all your, you know, the chow hall, the stretching and all that stuff. And it's as raw as it can possibly get. Like, that's what we want to see. And, and I think that's like how I equate it to a lot of students. SWIC candidate course, that is your pre-deployment training. Like you're going to go home, you're going to train, you're going to do all your stuff. You're going to be tired now. ANS, that's your deployment. That's the mission. Like we take all those niceties of being able to take a knee and figure it out away. And we put you in intense environments. You're wet, cold, tired, hungry the entire time. No, exactly right. And you have a, you have a, 
I, I guess a football team, it's larger than the football team size of cadre just for ANS. Um, and I'm talking about anywhere from, um, you know, actual combat controllers, PJs, SR, tech P's to retired operators to um, folks that have come over from, uh, we'll just say the, Ar- the army side and the Navy side of the house too, that have been running their selections, their ANSs for years. And so there's, there's all these experts and there's, there's definitely, and I noticed that when I came and observed, there are some differences in of opinion on how an ANS should be run, you know, whether it's a, Hey, as a cadre member, I am perfectly science. I'm not course correcting or anything like that. But then there's the other aspect of like, hey, maybe maybe this person doesn't realize they're doing something wrong. It's just, it's interesting as an observer for me to see the different mindsets and mentalities based on ANS. So you mind describing some of the, the different variations of what your team is comprised of at ANS in regards to cadre? Yeah, so primarily the way it works is I'll have one course chief. Um, just We just swapped out. So the course chief we had, he just went up to the 2-2. The new one we had, he's a, a PJ from the 2-6. So he just took over. He's he's getting after it. Um, we have the main core of our, our shift, which is the active duty guys. We're supposed to have um, 17, including the course chief. We're still kind of building up. We're getting a ton of bodies in. So, But right now we're sitting out around uh, 10 instructors, including the, the course chief and a, and a GS from there. Uh, we have 16 for, um, when they come in, but yeah, all different walks of life. You, you name the assessment course, they've worked it, um, as far, and it goes as long out as like one of the individuals we have used to work on the astronaut assessment program. So these guys have tons and tons of experience, you know, and have been every conflict, you know, since probably since before I was born, to be completely honest. Um, <laughs> but we, we we got a ton of experience. On top of that, we have, um, so that's kind of the main cadre assessment uh, core. Supplementing that, we have um, three medics at least every at any given time we're running an event. We'll have uh, human performance techs. They do all the uh, data wearable technologies for assessing heart rate, body temperature. And then we'll have potentially, depending on the event, uh, a flight doc hanging out or an athletic trainer in the event that something happens. Um, it's yeah, it's 40 plus people, uh, to run an ANS and then we'll go into running two shifts. So we'll have to split that up and, and make it work. And we get to points where it's the cadre working 24 seven. So we have to have a, a somewhat decent work rest cycle, but it's, it's pretty brutal on the cadre to do that every time as well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think anybody that thinks being an instructor in that type of environment is easy. It's like the students leave and then you get a new crop of students that come in, you know, like as an instructor, you're not doing all the same things, but it's, I don't want to say it's Groundhog Day or it's that bad or whatever. Like, you know, there, there are bright moments of being an instructor, but it's pretty tough, but that's not what I was going to talk about. Um, <laughs> the, 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 human, the human performance techs, like that, all that data that you guys bring in, like the heart rate and the, the core temp and all that other stuff. What is, what is all that data used for? And does it help uh, weed out, uh, for the, the selection process? No, not necessarily. I, I think of it more as like an early warning system, obviously here in South Texas, where it's, um, you know, right now it's 90 degrees, six o'clock. Uh, it's just to prevent uh, the heat casualty type stuff. As we get closer to the summer, we'll start having quite a few of those a class. 
Um, really, hey, this uh, this guy's core temp is is raising. You know, they'll let the cadre know and the medics know, and they'll kind of just go observe that that candidate to see what they um, if they're displaying any signs and symptoms. Because we'll you'll see it. They'll be at the back of the pack and they'll be stumbling all over the place. And um, I do advise my staff to be you know overly cautious on that. You know, it's we want to give every candidate the best time, but it, when it comes to the safety concern, it's it's better to better to pull the trigger sooner rather than later. I think to get them higher care. Yeah, yeah, but but like. If I'm in the pool and I freak out and, you know, as an old weather guy, I'm prone to do that, you know, like the, anyway, um, and, and you, you pull me out of the pool and I'm freaking out and I'm acting like I'm passing out and you, you check my O2 and my O2 is like, my sat is, is good. It kind of gives you some data points, right? Like on, on where that student is at and, and whether or not they're, they're, they're legitimate. Yeah. We're not quite there yet. As far as like being able to assess like a candidate's, you know, RPE um, compared to what their, their heart rate is. Like, I think that could be in the future. Um, uh, but we're not, we're not quite there yet. We have used it pre-dive, um, when I was the course chief there. And essentially what happened was the student's like heart rate just jacked up like crazy. And when he got out of the pool, cause he had a weird H lock incident and we found his heart rate was jacked up. And then they were able to actually kind of compare that with the, the smarter base tech that the student was wearing. Um, and we were able to give it to the docs and they were able to kind of figure out an assessment and just run some more tests to figure out what was going on. But it was, um, kind of weird anomaly situation. Yeah, no, no but nothing, no. nothing that yet. Not where like, Hey, this person's freaking out and they're faking it. You know, the O2 sat definitely helps us figure that out and identify, um, scurves as we like to call them. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and you know, it's another point. Like, we're not we're not actually trying to to hurt anybody. We're just trying to to peel back the layers and see who they are. But um, yeah. what what are what are all the things that we measure? Because you know, I was at the prep course a while ago, and it's it's fascinating all the the equipment and everything that we hook up to these these students. You know, can you can you go down the list of all the things that we're measuring on these folks to uh, to ensure you know that they're that they're performing the best that they can, and also uh, for for safety. Yeah, so we do a lot of it, a lot more of it, I think, happens in SWIC than what we do in ANS because of the amount of time that we are, like the candidates or time under tension and all that stuff. Like, I don't need to know what their recovery level is because I know that they're smashed. Like, I know that their physical fitness level and the recovery is down. I don't need a a urine test or, um, you know, a ready band to tell me that because I'm inducing that, right? So in prep, I think it's it's very useful because they're able to identify, hey, here's where my HRV is, here's my omega wave reading. But yeah, it's a long list. So they track sleep. Um, they'll do uh, hydration testing, so some sort of urine test in the morning. From there, they'll do the uh, omega wave readings, so that just seeing, hey, how their their CNS is is firing throughout the entire day. They'll be pucked up to kind of see what their levels are. How uh, we call it pucked up? That's just where they're wearing the, the chest strap that's tracking heart rate variability. Um, and at the end of every single workout, yeah, they'll, they'll be kind of, Hey, this is where you're at before you started. This is where you're at after the end of the workout. Uh, we're not at the point yet where we're changing what the, the programming is, um, why they're in a course, why they're outside of a course. Absolutely. I think that's, that's, that's the future. We should, you know, like we should be doing that at the units. I think where it's, Hey, here's the workout you did. Your recovery is crap. We should probably do this workout to get you better and, and modify programs uh, for candidates who are, are failing to meet whatever criteria but yeah we we they're hooked up like radio shack we do a ton of stuff to them 
basically they're basically all combat controls already by the, with all the radios and wires with, they all, have on. with all the wires all they need is a couple yeah. antennas and they'd be, be man the difference between what we had and again like we're all early adopters here like you know you are too that's why we wanted to bring you on but some old guys look at the at the process now and they're like well i didn't have this and i didn't have this and they they kind of get mad we get excited by that man we're yeah. talking about candidates wearing wearables we're talking about being able to real-time track somebody's those things that are you know just like you said earlier you don't want an asshole inside the team room it's it's kills the morale of the team room and now we're we're actually building an assessment that focuses on a holistic approach like is are they okay in the team room yeah we're going to always look to see if they're physically fit yes we're going to check grit you know grit and stress tolerance and teamwork and all those other things but we're moving to a point now where we get to look at these guys like peaches and i just laugh like the 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 young three levels that we've gotten into the two two we get them and we're just like man you have had a world-class organization to grow up in we're trying to keep pace with them they're able to take on more information quickly they're able to orient to new scenarios it's wild to see the product kind of the output of what the input is because we all know um you know you know what that raw material looks like but you guys are innovating in a different way to move forward are there any other big rocks like when you start looking at great power competition or when we look at the emerging kind of afsc of special reconnaissance are are you guys recruiting in a different way or are you guys presenting information in a different way in that initial phase in order to support the the new generation for you know lack of a better word in order to support the new generations like way of learning i think so i know that that's like a huge emphasis for the wing is you know how how we all learn and how we give information to students um i think that's like one of the unfortunate parts about like coming to be an instructor where i'm at is that i i haven't had a whole lot of time to do that action where i'm teaching you a skill set that could potentially you know help you in ground combat yeah i i did the pre-dive thing for a year and, and that was great given you know being able to see the person who sucked at the pool and they won and by the end you know they're they're swimming around like crazy and they're able to do all the events um, and seeing them have that accomplishment. Um, but I know that there is a, a ton of change of that stuff going on in, in SWIC, uh, the candidate course, to identify ways to, hey, how do we better teach them information, prepare them? But what you're getting after is, hey, this is the new generation. Uh, I can't I can't speak to that at the courses I run. It's still very, very physical, you know, based, performance-based, hey, here's the event. Um, so I think I think a lot of the instructors they definitely have come in and have a little bit more like as we're getting new instructors in who haven't been here for the whole time, like they're they have a much they're more we're all more open minded in the, in the process and it's great to hear that when they're getting to the teams that they're they're fitting in well that's a lot of the feedback we we haven't gotten at our level. Um, I, I don't I don't think people give these candidates who are making it through A and S and the current process enough credit. It's a, uh, I think a lot of confirmation bias for sure at the other courses. Yeah, I, I would not disagree. Like I, I've always been impressed with, you know, seeing your spaces from, you know, I, I saw prep when it was the infancy of the, the first prep and now to see where prep is and to see where extortion is and to see where the special warfare training wing is like, it, it's just straight up awe inspiring, right? Like we want bigger, faster, stronger, harder to kill aspect war airmen. And, and you guys are doing that. What are some um, what are some changes that you see, um, especially when we're talking about like tech 
P, especially when we're talking about where we're going in the future for you know kind of Lisco operations, do you see um, assessment and selection or the early pipeline changing to meet those demands as well? I think, yeah, I think so the the biggest changes that we're probably going to see is there will be some sort of merger with the the candidate course and ANS. It'll come be kind of one of one initial course of initial entry. I think it'll look a little bit more similar to, hey, yep, we're prepping, we're looking at attributes in that first portion, and then we kind of get into the, the ANS, beat potatoes, crucible, for lack of a better word, um, type of an event where, hey, it's, you know, this is the the grit test, if you will. Uh, I also see a common skills course probably coming to be the next big thing where we're all we're all training under the same roof and a lot of the tactics that we're learning, whether that be land nav and shooting and all that being being gear common to all, which is a good thing because you look at a lot of the other services and it's not, you know, we're very unique in that. Yeah, the, uh, CCT and SR have always been together and done that, but our PJs and our uh, controllers at SR are two, two different magicoms and have two different training levels. Um, and, it, it's, and it changes from squadron to squadron. So right. we kind of can I get you to actually explain? I want to pause here and and get you to actually explain what you mean when you say a common skills course because I think this is one of my favorite future initiatives, um, and I love it. And I'd like for you to float the idea out there and like really talk about like when you say a common skills course, what do you mean? So from what they are kind of trying to sell, I think what the idea is to hey, we do land nav at combat control school, and we do land nav at uh, the paramedic or PJU. I don't, what do yep. you guys call it? I've heard the apprentice course. Like PJU. Okay. The yeah, apprentice the, course. Yeah. The apprentice course. Yep. Yep. So you'll do, you know, land nav at this course, land nav at another course. You'll do tactics at this course and tactics at another course. The idea is to, in order to streamline that process, bring those similar skill sets that we all learn, whether jumping, AIEs, all of that stuff, doing them at the same time so that everybody's the same. Um, level and then you know the apprentice courses have different skill sets that they you get one and then the controllers and the you know the sr guys and i know you guys just wrote the whole sr course and which is you know part of having to change things all the time but it does it, to some extent it does make sense hey if we want it to be this unilateral you know maneuver element that the air force has capacity to deploy to different places and conduct whatever the mission sets are that we're looking to do uh, it would make sense that we have training where we train together. And as far as efficiency, we have the same skill sets, SOPs. Oh, I'm pretty excited about that. If that's, if this is the way it's going and I'm really glad that that's not an initiative that has been lost uh, on anybody, because I know that certain ideas get thrown out there or suggestions get thrown out there. And oftentimes they're hit with a, like, Hey, great idea maybe not right now just because of you know uh we're in a continually declining um constrained environment you know both fiscally and manning wise so that's that's actually good to hear because i think that is actually the way forward to get everybody on the same page and to in the long run cut costs even though the upfront cost to be, be a little bit higher. So switching gears a little bit, I wanted to go from, so we, we've spoken to some folks uh, that you're familiar with and I, cause I don't know the, the time frame of when these will come out, 
Um, but we have already talked to uh, Tech Sergeant Spencer Boss about SWIC since she is the kind of SME at SWIC. But I'd like to get kind of your your perspective or you to lay out from from completion of SWIC going into ANS. Can you walk us through that? So you're looking for so they go through SWIC and then what the downtime looks like between ANS and SWIC, correct? Yeah, yeah. They're told they're told, hey, you, you're you're done with SWIC on let's just call it a Friday, and then what happens the very next day or later that day? week of like there the biggest issue i think with like the way the construct is is we have different avenues to get to um get to ans it used to be six different ways people could get there now we've narrowed it down to four different ways so you'll have our swick candidates so all the people who are going through the current swick class um you'll have our special work devs so anybody who was a washback or was unable to start um, the last ANS, that's where they've been in kind of holdover, waiting to start the next course. And then we have our officer candidates who are coming in, whether that be the Crows or the Stows. And they're both coming from, you know, all kinds of different places, but we'll just call it two different avenues for the, for the time being. So that last week is all admin, administrivia for the SWIC students. So they'll get a, a candidate fitness test. Um, the dev will also give their candidates um, a fitness test as well, just making sure everybody has that baseline level of, of conditioning before they come in the it's really about a weekend so we expect a lot of students who are coming in to be here no later than than like the thursday prior to the course starting on monday we'll drop off give them the packing list and say hey here's all the things you need to have ready over the weekend um monday morning that's what we call phase zero that's our three days to do a lot of the in-processing so you get kind of your your rules of engagement brief expectations uh, your schedule, and we do a lot of our, our initial psych testing during those first three days and, and medical scrubbing. We'll identify students who have potentially something that disqualifies them or um, or makes them unable to start. Hey, maybe they're, they're hiding some sort of injury because uh, they really want to start, but uh, ANS is certainly not the course you want to start with your, your nursing and injury. <laughs> but uh, those, yeah, those first three days is where we accomplish a lot of that. So while the cadre are doing all of our calibration training, making sure that we're all on the same page before the course starts. Um, the candidates are doing psych interviews, psych testing. Anybody who had received a OFT is getting an OFT for the officers who came in a little bit late just to accomplish that, um, to get them starting. And then, you know, the course has started on Monday, but the, the physical assessment and selection portion will start on that, uh, that Thursday. So it's, it's a quick turn. They graduate. I think prep kicks, tries to kick them out of there Thursday. Um, cause they get their their new students in on that Friday. So it's, it's a, it's a machine. Everything's on that eight week cycle here. That is for sure. Because you guys have schedules and those that, that really is a well-oiled machine. Uh, one thing I just wanted to clarify because I, my internet kind of dropped out and I want to make sure I heard you correctly. Cross trainees are now going to SWIC. Is that correct? Yes, that's correct. Is that all of them or is that by exception? That's all of them. They've all been going through. I think it, Honestly, I think that's the best thing for everybody. Uh, yep. It's twofold. And Agreed. like SWIC allows you that ability, like especially with COVID going on, a lot of guys uh, guys and gals were coming in or retrainees and they because they weren't having access to pools. So they'd come in and day one of uh, ANS, we were you know, doing water con. They were, they were unsuccessful and they, it, was, it was ugly. So we're like, hey, well, let's make sure we put them through, through the prep course so that way they're, they're more successful. And I, I do think like, I know you guys already had talked to, to Spencer, but like you, 
you get what you put out of into the 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 swick course it's a golden opportunity and what you said earlier is you know all this stuff that we're, we're doing now and the strength coaches the, the wearables like that's all stuff i think when i went through the five minutes like i wish we had a strength coach who would ran our workouts and not you know tech sergeant whatever who <laughs> right. just has us has us doing these these dumb workouts and we're at least trying to get better um you know, it, it doesn't matter when you come through, it takes what it takes to get to the end. But I do think we are training guys, guys and gals smarter, oh, yeah. but it's uh yeah. So everybody's going through prep. Now, the only people who do not go through prep, um, initially like our washbacks, they're, they're all have already gone through their own prep grads, but it's the officers. And, and it, that is a huge risk. I think to, to my training, um, people were coming into the course and we're putting them into this high intensity course and they were, they were not successful. So definitely doesn't set, it doesn't set the student up for success and it doesn't set the cadre up for success as far as safety goes. I mean, it's a, it's a pretty fast ramp up, right? Like if you're coming off the, the couch, so to speak, straight into ANS, I mean, you guys don't, don't slow roll it for very long. If I, if I'm tracking correctly, you know, like I, I've come out and seen a few things, but it's a, you know, prep is, is a pretty decent glide slope up to ANS. And if you're just coming off the, the street or a regular job from behind a computer and you get thrown into the meat grinder, it's gotta be, I mean, it's gotta be tough. Yeah. So in, in doc or comparing it to what in doc was and like, if you do everything right and you're the candidate that's going through the candidate course and you're like chomping at the bit and you're trying to do the best you can and you leave there, you're leaving the candidate course at, at about a week for in doc standard for a relative concern. Um, and then you go into to ANS and ANS is right around nothing the candidates do in ANS is something that, you know, there's a few events obviously that are a little bit different and we want it because we're trying to elicit specific attributes for those events. So you probably haven't done those, but to the capacity of physical fitness, like all the training you need does occur in, in the candidate course to pretty be successful at ANS and then pre-dive picks right back up off where those students left SWIC at. And we ramp them up to kind of that, that final stage. So eight week in doc standards, um, passing all the SOCOM requirements to go to dive school. Yeah. And I, one other thing I want to talk about, you, you mentioned the, the old pipeline when your random tech sergeant, you know, Brayware is, is running the workouts. And I think one of the things that people don't realize is in the old system, um, a lot of the pipeline was dependent upon the personalities of the people that were there. So it's not like we had a very consistent, uh, product, uh, as far as teaching, and so when you talk and the professionalism of your instructors, uh, can you walk a, the dog on that a little bit? Like, what does that mean? And, and how does that lead to uh, the consistency that we see? So the biggest thing that we accomplish is we do a lot of kind of behind the scenes training and calibration. Uh, we'll bring our, our lead psych docs in, they'll run us through all the attributes, what's a, you know, what's an opinion versus what's an observation. That was kind of, when we initially started this, took a bunch of people who was like, well, I went through this process and this is what I think is right or wrong. I mean, you guys had, you had Gavin on, uh, earlier on a couple of years ago and taking all of us who didn't, you know, we're like, what the heck is going on? Like we, you know, and we, I was guilty of it. Absolutely. We'd watch candidates. You're like, this person sucks. Um, and you put that in your comments and be like, and then you get to the boards and the group commander would be like, what are you guys writing? Like, this is, this is crap, you know, and we're like trying to, whether we're trying to select a student or non-select a student, like our data wasn't very um, consistent. We've, we've matured a ton as a, as an organization, especially as a, as a course and making sure that we 
we put in observation, say the candidate was failing to do push-ups, you know, X for X, Y, and Z reasons, instead of saying, yeah, the candidate's just unphysically fit, does not belong here. Like those are two different statements when one has a lot of emotion tied to it. One of them has, you know, it's an observation candidate was not doing push-ups, X, Y, and Z. And, you know, we move forward. But as far as, so we'll do that. We'll go over the observations. We'll go over how the events are run. A big things that we do during that calibration phase as well as a lot of like the safety stuff. So, hey, it's what happens if you have an H-lock. We run all of our instructors through safety swimmer stuff. So for all the candidates who are terrified, uh, who are listening to this and you think you're going to, you're going to die in the pool, like big brother is going to be there for you. Don't worry. <laughs> Perfect. The safety blanket, um, the safety. Bl- yes, I love it, man. Yes. There, that's yeah, that's nice. And then, um, on top of that, a lot of heat casualty training. And it's, it's really just because we get RFFs in, um, ANS is different. So when we get people in here who don't, you know, all they're not terrible, the instructors were and how miserable they were the entire time. And I think, I think oftentimes we, uh, like we convince ourselves how miserable it was when in hindsight, maybe it may or may not have been. And we have this, uh, misconceived notion that we were just like Ironman going through and we weren't, we weren't scurving ourselves. Like we were students, like, you know, everybody, everybody did. You put your butt up in the air when you got an opportunity to, like, if you tell me you didn't like, you're a liar, you know, never. So, never. Yeah. I don't know if yeah. I can trust somebody that never scurved before. You know what I mean? So, like if you've never yeah. been around the corner of a building where everybody else is getting smoked and you're just like not putting yeah. out at all. I don't know if we can be friends, man. Like you, <laughs> you have to do that. Yeah. And so, I mean, there's parts of it that like, you like, you know, I get it. Hey, from the students, but a lot of it is what we're just trying to indoctrinate is that, um, that never, that never quit attitude. Cause I still think that's important to, to have, but also just having a little bit of humility as well. Like, um, the candidates didn't get a choice in this process, you know, like they just want to do the job that, that you wear the brain and say that you do right now, like that ultimately at the end of the day, that's what they want. So try and try and make it the, we try and make it the best we can for them given the, uh, the confines of, uh, what we currently have. And that's the burden of the instructor. You have to be that middle ground between a bunch of dudes on our side where we're like, Hey, listen, we thought this was the most terrible. And we, we have a, we have an opinion on how this should go. And a whole new generation of people that are like, I just want to be like you. And you're the person that's in the middle trying to try and like please those two masters. You know what I mean? Like you literally are mm-hmm. the bridge, like, cause the candidates that want to come in now. Yeah. They're young. It's yeah. These darn kids and the, this generation Z, you know, whatever. But they have a righteous task, man. They want to. They want to be a controller. They want to be SR. They want to be a PJ. They want to. They want to be a special warfare officer. Like that's righteous. For all of those people that are that are looking to get in right now, you have seen it. You know, hundreds, maybe thousands of times. You know, passes and failures and and whatever. So you know what right looks like. The right candidate. It's it's hard to explain, and I know you can point it out. If there's a hundred candidates, you can see the one person doing it right. But if, if you were to tell the people listening that are getting into this thing, this crazy ANS deal that we're all, that's the ticket to ride the pipeline. Here's how you're successful. What would you tell those candidates? Yeah. So number one is come here as physically fit as you possibly can. Like that is the ultimate goal. Um, when you get to SWIC and I mean, like you said it best, right? Like the pipeline is, there's never been a better time to come through the pipeline than right now. Because at every single point, there's somebody there to provide you some 
some mentorship and some help, whether that be, you know, you're struggling in the pool, you're struggling on land. Like we have active duty operators who are taking time from the operational community to go and be recruiters and, and provide training. We have retired operators who are doing the teacher I field developer stuff who are writing workout plans. You know, there's information everywhere. Just Google, hey, selection prep workout. You know, you could even, even the 724, which is the tier one asset, like you can go on their website and you can pull the workout that they recommend for you to do the prep for their program. Like all that stuff is, is readily available. And then when you get to basic training, like no other flights in basic training have coaches coming over and running your workouts every morning. Like, like, so what you'll, you're getting, whatever the workout is like, yeah, you're not, it may not be what you're doing before you came in, but it's, it's sure better than what everybody else is doing. I guarantee that. And then when you get to prep or quick, take advantage of that. Like, cause I, the thing I hate when guys get, or gals get to ANS to say, yeah, I just, I wasn't prepared for this. And it's like, well, what, what were we doing? You know, like that's a, that's a poor excuse. Cause we have all these things in place for, for the candidates to be successful. So I'm like, yeah, I didn't train well enough for WaterCon. And that just leads me down that road. Like, like by yourself. Cause you got WaterCon five days a week over there at, at the candidate course. And now you're coming here and you're unable to, to execute. And maybe that's just, you know, that overall stress, but to get back to it, come here as physically fit as you, you possibly can. That is, that is goal. Number one, goal. Number two is to have a, you know, sense of urgency. So when, when we're telling you to move out on a task, you're, you're moving out on the task. Um, the next one is, is team before self. And like those sense of urgency team before self, I think you could do those two things. You're probably going to be successful. Uh, poor teammates, like, you, they don't get selected because we we don't want those people around the community. If so, doesn't matter how physically fit you are at that point. Like if you're toxic on your team, you're going to get voted off the island quick. So to wrap it up, physically fit, sense of purpose, or excuse me, sense of urgency, and then team before self. Those are those are your three key keys to have before you get here. I dig it, and uh, I notice a common theme uh, between everybody that we have on when we ask them their advice and that's people inside the community and outside the community. Um, so Mike, this isn't necessarily a question, just more of a, a statement, which I have a habit of doing, I noticed, but um, I guess, I guess it's one of those, those chief things. I don't know. So <laughs> you, allow, you allow get me to, to, you get yeah. to, you get to message now. What was yeah. my favorite quote from uh, AEC, AETC command chief? He was like, you know, Trent, I'm not going to ask the question that you asked me. I'm going to answer the question. I wish you did. Yeah. And that's what you get to do. You just get to Still take hurts. stuff and just. <laughs> yeah. no, basically, all I want to say was uh, th- thanks for thanks for what you've done down down there at ANS and, and pre-dive. And actually, I know you spent several years down there. So thanks for what you're doing down there. Thanks for the instructors that are down there right now that are helping shape the future of special warfare. And thanks to the contractors and all the other instructors down there, because the work that you guys are doing down there is extremely important. And we are, though we have felt it, you know, we've never stopped feeling the impact that you guys have down there. But now that we're starting to receive new airmen that have gone through the pipeline that, you know, Trent, you, um, you know, a lot of those guys have gone there and built like, we're really happy with the product that we're getting. So genuinely, thanks for doing what you guys are doing. Awesome. And and, and Mike, you know, I, I just want to go back to the beginning. I, I told you to introduce yourself and you're, you're a, you're a humble guy, but I, I want to start with, I, I want to make the end of this about, about you. 
Uh, so the question is, why why did you choose and go combat control? Um, well, I chose it because I was, you know, initially I was security forces when I first came in, and uh, not to say that it, it's bad. Um, combat control is just better, but uh, it's you know I wanted to. I wanted to be able to be a part of something that was pretty big and, and be able to, to have some significance in it and, and be the, be the guy. Like when you look at all the stuff with combat controllers, it's, you know, they're, they're the guy They go on the team. They're involved in every process from, you know, the mission drop into to final exfil and effects on the battlefield. So I said, I, that's what I want to do. Um, I was actually I told Peaches this the other day, but I've you, so Trent, you were at my, my assessment course yeah. love you and i we worked that pj retraining one yeah. and then peaches came out and watched the assessment course that i ran so you know it's weird that all three or all four of us have crossed paths at that at some point in an assessment selection type way but um yeah it's you know for all the students and guys or gals who are thinking about coming over here like nowhere else i tell all the students this when they get selected after ans nowhere else in the air force do you get to do some of the stuff that we get it we get to do you're jumping out of planes, helicopters, you're shooting, you know, dropping bombs. Say whatever it may be, like it's incredible. Everybody else, they go, they do their deployments, and they come home and they they work at an office. Like, yeah, we do some office time and admin trivia, but 90% of it is going out and just doing awesome training. Um, and we get paid pretty well to just you know do really cool stuff like it's i get excited <laughs> right, so, right. i haven't done it in four years but it's like you know you just you just think about it, you're like oh it's awesome like i'm doing AI. You know, like, i'm doing aies next week i'm terrified i'm yeah. the scaredest just some simple stuff like there's orcas out it's uh it's gonna be terrifying yeah i remember like some of the best times i ever had were out at the tutu and we were you know, the army always, the 160th guys would always hit up the other services before they, uh, they hit us to get the summer months water, you know, water AIEs and we get mid December American Lake, oh, 60, yeah. you know, yep. cold water, but it was some of the, like, it's just people will pay thousands of dollars to be able to go out and just get picked up by a helicopter, push a boat out the back and jump out with all your buddies and, you know, look like a bunch of buffoons, but it is, there's nothing, there's nothing like it, you know, and. I never got to do anything like that in security forces and I, I don't I don't know a lot of other communities. So like yes, when you're going through the training and uh, it's hard, like do not get short minded over it. it is the juice is worth the squeeze on on the other side. It's it's a great community to be a part of for sure. Well, I, I couldn't have wrapped this up better if I tried. So Mike, I appreciate it. You are <laughs> definitely you are definitely the guy. Uh, I think we might have to have you on again to talk about some of your your experiences um, and, and other things, you know, outside of ATC. But can't can't thank you enough for coming on and for everything that you're doing. And uh, for everybody else out there, you know, like, subscribe, leave comments, make fun of Aaron's hair because it's fake. And uh, we'll catch y'all next time. Train hard. Later. Later.